And so when it comes to just life and process, I, I tend to struggle with this, where's my responsibility in it? And then where's me waiting on God? And I think that's something that I personally struggle with. Well, Evan, I think you can look at a lot of pro athletes who, you know, you'll see them take a knee once in their in the end zone and look up, or you'll see right. them praying before the game or after the game, huddle up and praying. And I've just worked with a lot of athletes over the years. So we've had conversations about faith and this isn't my perspective, but I'm sort of sharing their perspective. I often hear from them, I'm going to do everything I can. And then sort of on game day, I'm going to put my faith in God. I've learned so much over this first year of podcasting. And I wanted to share with you guys the 10 most life-changing lessons that I've learned this year. So I created a document and it's on my website. What you're going to do, you're going to go there. It's going to be 10 life-changing lessons. Click on that button. It'll ask for your email address so I can email it to you. Sign up for it because these life lessons radically changed the way I viewed my life and the way I started living. It helped me to get better in the areas that I've so desperately wanted to see progress and growth in. And because I know they helped me, I really believe that they will help you. And I wanted this to be a gift for you guys. So I really hope you enjoy this gift and go to the website, thewholepersonpodcast.com to get it. It's free. And I hope you guys enjoy and learn as much as I did from it. Today, we have an awesome guest by the name of Brian Levinson. He works with building relationships, collaborating with his clients to maximize people's ability to have opportunities and to make opportunities that are big moments and winning moments for people's success. He's a mental performance coach. He developed an initiative program called Core Mental Training to help athletes maximize their mindset and performance. And I don't know about you guys, but in my life, I need to maximize my mental performance. So today, we're having on the show, Brian Levinson. Brian, welcome to the Whole Person Podcast. How are you? I'm good, Evan. Uh, you know, when I hear the bio, it's it's very uncomfortable when someone's talking about you, but I'll, I'll, I'll roll with it. And I'm curious, you've got a guitar over your right shoulder. Do you, do you play guitar? Do you, you play music? A little bit, not as much as I used to, but occasionally I'll pick it up. Were you ever in a band? No, no, it was just more of a way that when I was young, I really didn't know how to communicate my emotions. And so I just tried to write and become a singer and, you know, go that route and communicate to the world. Uh, But as I became more mature and learning how to communicate my emotions and frustrations and hurts, I actually stopped playing as much. (laughs) Interesting. And um, where where do you consider yourself to be a performer? You mentioned, gosh, like I need that as much as anybody. Where where do you perform? Well, I think I perform several places. One, you know, my family. You know, I have to, obviously I'm not trying to entertain my family like a performance, but I have to be intentional about my marriage. I have to be intentional about raising my children. I have to be intentional about my career and I have to be intentional about this podcast. And there's a lot of places in order to have the success that I want in life, I have to show up and be intentional. And like the dog from up, every time there's a squirrel, you know, it's easy for me to go squirrel, 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 and just be like, 
lose mental clarity, lose mental focus. And even in life, I've learned that I get swayed by, by the pressures of media and what's going on on Facebook and what's happening in the world. And while we have to be somewhat cognizant, I allow things in my life to become distracting. And so for me, it's important to have mental focus, mental clarity, mental toughness. And that's something I'm developing and which is one reason why I'm excited to have you on the show. So you can fix all my problems. <laughs> yeah, I definitely am not a fixer. Um, but there's two things that you just talked about. One is the movie up, which I actually just saw over quarantine, uh, time. Um, I've got two kids. You mentioned you have children. I've got a three-year-old and a four and a half year old. And so we've been watching a lot of movies together during quarantine and ups one of the movies that we watched. What a great, great movie. Uh, so that's one. And then two, you mentioned intention and my podcast is actually called intentional performers. And it wasn't called that originally. It was called beyond the surface. And as I started to go deep with people and go beyond the surface, I started to recognize that a lot of the people I was talking to were really intentional about how they were showing up in their lives. And so the fact that you're mentioning intention, just sort of my, my brain starts to get lit up when you mention the importance of intention, because I think it's, it's massive. So regarding, I, I know it's silly, but regarding the movie Up, what, what spoke to you about that specific movie? Because it, it, I feel like it made a difference in my life watching that even before I had kids. I, I think there's a couple takeaways one is relationships and how relationships can show up all, all throughout life. And you mentioned in my bio how much I value relationships. Uh, I just think in life, we're not meant to do this on our own. And so the relationship between the older guy and the younger, younger kid. Um, and then two, like the ability to dream and to not let go of those dreams, even though we get older and we age. So as I'm thinking about you with the guitar, it's like, man, what? Like pick up the guitar again, let it fly, like let it roll. And so I just think there's, there's a, a magical component to that movie in the sense of like, don't be afraid to, to go for your dreams. And, and there was like an, obviously like balloons causing a house to fly away to some place is so unrealistic and, and outrageous and extraordinary. But at the same time, that movie was so human and so normal as far as what I think people feel when they age. And we all, if we live long enough and we're lucky enough and fortunate enough to age, we're, we're, we're hoping to sign up for that. We're also hoping to sign up for some grief um, yeah. you, you had Angela Duckworth on your podcast and she talks about grit. Like if you're going to live long enough, you're going to face some adversity. There's just no way to get around that. And so I think those are elements that are just, the movie was very human, even though it's like this fantastical journey and ride that is unrealistic. And then I think the last thing is like, you don't have to go to the most magical place in the world to have the most important things in life. And I think too often we think that, and it's interesting with your podcast, yours is about a journey and that you're sort of on this journey and you, you want to sort of get advice or get thoughts about mm -hmm. how do you get to where you want to go? And 
you talk to anybody who's done some pretty amazing things in this world and they almost never say that they've arrived. Like there is no destination that's magical, that's beautiful, that's all encompassing. There's always gonna be other things going on. And I think at the very core, the most beautiful things in life are often the simplest. It's nature, it's coming home from work and your kids running up to you and giving you a hug. You know, it's being around a campfire and having someone play a guitar. Like. It, it actually doesn't need to be this amazing view with a waterfall in some majestic place with some adventurer. Like we can have adventures in our backyard. We don't need to go up and away somewhere. So right. I'm glad you asked me that question because I've never really thought about it. So I'm just kind of riffing here, but these are some <laughs> of my takeaways. Well, you know, it's funny because you brought up the point of about the journey and that's something I've really been meditating and thinking on a lot this past week and a half, I started seeing a psychologist uh, about a month ago. I see him every, every third week. And cause I've really struggled with anxiety over my entire life. And I just got to the point where I was just tired of being anxious, being swayed by what's happening in the world. I want peace despite of my circumstances. And so I decided to seek some professional help. And, you know, ironically, you know, after talking with Angela Duckworth and Dr. Benjamin Hardy and some of these other psychologists, you know, the podcast felt a lot like therapy sessions. And I just realized, man, if this is therapy, I want more. And uh, he was talking about, it's really funny because I don't like driving out of the city. Like anytime I get out of the city, going somewhere, I just get very anxious and it's not that I don't like driving. It's just, I'm so focused of, I have to get to the destination that it makes it almost so enjoyable for me to enjoy the process. And, you know, I did some deep diving and found out there, there is some things from, from my past that created that trigger or that trauma that wouldn't allow me to enjoy the journey of whatever I was going through, whether it be through being bullied at school to family vacations, it was about getting to the destination versus enjoying the trip. And ironically, the the thing that he told me to get better, to help me in, in that specific trigger was to go on drives outside the city with no destination in mind and just drive, which ironically I was doing with my wife before he suggested that, like we just started doing that. And I had no anxiety when we did when we had no destination. It's about the journey. It's about the process. It's yeah, about, is, there, is there a Psalm or a verse that talks about the process that, that when you, I mean, I know faith is a big part of your journey. Yeah. Um, Cause I think about, I'm not well-versed in the Bible, mm-hmm. but I think about like the mystics and I think about philosophy. And even if you listen to, you know, I don't want to call them gurus, but thought leaders, thought leaders is probably like pretty much every thought leader that's ever existed in the world talks about the process being more important than the journey. Um, You know, I, sorry, the process being more important than the outcome or the destination. And, and so I'm curious if, if there would be a way for you to link um, your faith uh, with that concept and construct and, and what that might look like for you. So there's this, there's a scripture and I I can't remember where it's at, the the address, but it talks about a man 
plans his ways, but the Lord directs his paths. And essentially what it's talking about is as, as an individual, we create these goals. We create these ideas, these places where we want to go and this idea of how we're going to get there. But at the end of the day, it's the Lord that will end up directing us each step of the way. And I have found that it's never on my timing that I want. You know, I wanted to be a pastor, you know, starting in 2010, you know, graduated college with a degree in theology and I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, it's now 11 years later and I'm still not there, but I know that God's refining me. He's creating things in me to get to a point where when that does happen, it will be sustainable. And so when it comes to just life and process, I, I tend to struggle with this, where's my responsibility in it? And then where's me waiting on God? And I think that's something that I personally struggle with. Well, Evan, I think you can look at a lot of pro athletes who, you know, you'll see them take a knee once in they're in the end zone and look up, or you'll see right. them praying before the game or after the game, huddle up and praying. And I've just worked with a lot of athletes over the years. So we've had conversations about faith and this isn't my perspective, but I'm sort of sharing their perspective. I often hear from them, I'm going to do everything I can. And then sort of on game day, I'm going to put my faith in God and whatever God has planned, good, bad, or indifferent is what it is, but I'm going to do my best. And there's something liberating that I think occurs for them in that they control what they can control. And then they understand that there are elements that are out of their control. And even if things don't go as planned, there's this notion of, well, God has a plan for me. Um, and it might be to take a setback or a loss or drop a catch or like as, as minor as those things are in the grand scheme of life. And so I've just noticed that it helps them have clarity around, I'm going to do the best I can. And I owe it to God to do that because I'm blessed with this body or this gift or this skill. Um, and then it's, it's almost like freeing. And you said something earlier that caught my attention, which you talked about your anxiety and it's amazing how vulnerable you are and willing to share that because a lot of people are, you know, I think a third of our country deals with anxiety and depression. So you're not alone on that front. And there are going to be people that are listening to this that certainly struggle with it. I do think there's a blessing in anxiety if used correctly. Like yeah. I think that um, nothing is all good and nothing is all bad. And so anxiety can help you prepare. It can make sure that things are, are in the right area and in the right space. And if we over-index on anything, it can become problematic. So I think sometimes people think of anxiety as just being a bad thing. And a lot of times our society deems it so. And I think that's kind of a misnomer because if you have no anxiety at all, you don't look both ways before you cross the street, you drink and drive, you do drugs, like you don't go to the doctor. So I think for a lot of the people I work with, who, by the way, don't have a, a clinical anxiety disorder, but they struggle with some anxiety. We talk about those things. When is it helpful and when is it a hindrance? And getting clarity around when it's helpful and when it's a hindrance can often be helpful for them. Right. Well, speaking of mindsets and, you know, you have this process, this training that you call CORE. Is that an acronym for something? 
Yeah, at the time when I set it up, it stood for Control, Organized, Realistic, Enhancement. And over time, like I've probably gone a little away from realistic as the R there. Because uh, I just, I like dreamers, like I said earlier with Up. Um, but originally when I designed it, I was saying, hey, let's let's try to get you a couple percentage points better. Let's not try yeah. to change the world or move mountains here. Let's just try to get really simple and, and get you a little bit better. And the world of sports, if you can increase your performance by 1%, it can really improve your performance. So uh, that program was designed to help people figure out their mission, their motivation, help them with skills like goal setting and self-talk and meditation, like you mentioned earlier, visualization. So we call those mental skills in sports psychology and ultimately get them to a place where they could consistently control their confidence. Um, So that was the idea of that program. Today, I work with a lot of athletes, but I do most of my work in sports psychology, working with organizations and sports teams. And then I also do a lot of executive coaching, which I love doing. And I love working in the corporate world and, um, so I spend like half my time as an executive coach and the other half as a mental performance coach. And I, I, I like weaving analogies and metaphors and going back right. and forth between both. So let's do this. Let's give people a taste of what this is and just use me as an example. And I'll try to be open as honest as possible. Awesome. So what's one thing that you would want to work on? One thing that I want to work on, um, I would love to see this podcast grow. Awesome. Awesome. And by the end of our conversation today, what would success look like? For this conversation? Yeah. That the content is good, that there's one nugget that I can take away that I'll internalize. And then also that for the audience, that it will be a meaningful conversation. Awesome. So I can't control that the audience will like what we're talking about um, <laughs> or that the podcast will grow, but I like what you said there. Like, let's get one gem that you can use to help your podcast grow, which is what you're talking about, what you want. Um, so why is this something you care about? Why is it meaningful for you? You know, I, two reasons. One, I want to grow personally and, you know, as much as I want to help the audience and be an example, my first priority is myself. And so I'm documenting my journey of growth. And for people that are like me, they can come listen to this and join me on the journey and we can go through this stuff together. And so it's important because I want to grow number one. Number two, I want my life to be an example to others. And I want to live open and honestly in front of people because a lot of times when I talk or listen to people who feel like they've arrived, who are bigger named, I feel like there's this disconnect between the person on stage and me in the audience. And I just want to be that bridge. I'm going to take my coaching hat off for a second and then yes. I'll put it back on. I promise. And we'll go back into our work together. But you said something that I really believe in. A lot of times when people have a lot of money, they talk about money not mattering. A lot of times people that um, work their asses off to get to where they want to go say, oh, I wish I hadn't, uh, you know, be more efficient with your time. And so I think a lot of times people that are on top of the mountain give advice that's actually not helpful advice. And they give the advice from the top of the mountain. Yeah. And so I think it's cool that you are exploring it on the journey because 
Like I'm always struck by people that say don't do what they did yet what they did helped them get to where they want to go. Right. And even for myself, like, I don't think anyone should do what I did only because it's my journey and it's my process. And I come from a different place than you came from. And, you know, maybe we started at different spots. It, it, that, that part I don't care about, but I, I do, I do own like my journey and I'm grateful for what I've done to get to where I'm at. And I'm grateful for where I'm going. So I, I just, I think it's worth noting on, on that front. I'll put my coaching hat back on though. And I'll, I I want to find out like what's currently getting in the way of you growing the podcast. So you, the goal here for our conversation, just so we're mm -hmm. clear is you said, you know, if I could get one gem to help grow the podcast, like this would be a successful conversation. It's meaningful for you because you're really mission minded and want to spread this and selfishly, you want it to be successful for yourself. What's currently getting in the way of the growth of the podcast? Uh, just for clarification, when I talked about one gem, it wasn't specifically to grow the podcast, just one gem that will spur growth in me. Um, okay, so so going, it's it's a little deeper underneath. So it's one gem that will help you grow personally. Correct. Cool. And, and my goal in general is to grow the podcast. Okay. So, so in context of growing the podcast and what's getting in my way. I think several things. Um, one is just the sheer time commitment that it takes to, to grow. One episode probably takes about 20 hours of work. Wow. Between recruiting the, the guest, editing the show, publishing and marketing um, and, and to do a decent job. I have a family and a full-time vocation as an entrepreneur. So it's not like I come home after clocking in, clocking out, like I have to go get money. And if there's no money out there, then I have to keep going until, until I help someone to get paid. And so, you know, my first priority is getting paid and my family taken care of. The podcast will be the second priority. And so I've noticed that I just don't have enough time to really do both. And so I've had to leverage other people and I'm spending money on that. Um, but I would like to see the podcast grow so that I'm not having to pay out of pocket as much as I am on a monthly basis to make that happen. So two things to sort of unpack there. One is time being a barrier that's getting in the way. And then two, what I'm hearing from you is also money being a barrier because I need to earn a living. Um, and I haven't found a way to earn a living with the podcast. And so the money is also tied to the time. If, if I had more money, then I could outsource a lot of the stuff and that would be a solution as well. Am I hearing that right? Correct. So what can you do to either spend less time on the podcast or make more money? Uh, in terms of podcast, I've been looking down that route and I think we might be doing what's called a Patreon account very soon where people can uh, give to just help create this because it's, it, it, it's, it costs a lot, more than people know to, to do this well. You know, the other 
thought that I had was you're in a chicken versus egg situation, right? Like, mm-hmm. all right, you're saying I need to make more money, but the making money right now, as I know it is doing real estate, correct? It's correct. It's, so if I made more money in real estate, then I could use that money to invest in the podcast or if the podcast grew, then I could have more money to invest back in the podcast, but you're sort of in a limbo. In a yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's some tension there. There's polarity. So whenever I hear polarity, I always think of and instead of or. So how can you make more money and spend less time on the podcast? Well, I think a lot of things when it comes to business is leveraging other people's gifts and talents and time. And so, for example, I mean, I have an editor, so I'm leveraging that. Um, you know, and I found an editor who is in the Philippines. So um, versus paying an editor here in the United States, it's, I, can, I can do that. I can't pay an editor here in the States. I have a buddy who started a business called Storyon who works with other podcasters and he's helping me on other production and po- uh, post-production stuff. So I'm leveraging their skills, their time, their knowledge to allow me to use what I can to go make money in real estate and then also recruit and interview. Beautiful. So you're trying to find a way to lower the time spent on the podcast without putting more money into it so that you can spend as little time as possible on the podcast while still giving your listeners as much value as possible. And that will allow you to potentially make more money that if you then want to invest in the podcast, you could do that that way. Is that sort of a plan of action? Yeah. I I think the plan of action is to get the podcast making money. How do you do that? So for starters, I think, like I said, the Patreon, and then as the audience grows, there's advertising, there's partnerships with um, affiliate marketing. So this is all very new to me. And if you're listening to this, I'm like, well, I don't want to learn about podcasting. This isn't what we're just talking about. We're talking about the process of you have two polarities. So stay tuned with us. Don't, don't just think we're talking about how to podcast. This is my journey, but how can you apply this in your life? How, how much, how much money, like, what are we talking here? Uh, month, like what would, cause, cause money is, is subjective. So, yeah. It's about 400 bucks a month. Right. So you need to get the podcast to what? So, so that you would have some fulfillment. Well, fulfillment would be, let's get it to 400 bucks a month <laughs> so of, earning. It, of earning. So it's paying for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and go you know, back to why you're doing this again. Like, why, why are you doing the podcast? Two, two, well, multiple reasons. One of them, I feel that God is leading me to do this. Two, I feel like part of what God has called me to do is to be a speaker, a teacher, a minister of some sort. And so since I don't have a church, I don't have an outlet. This has really become a really good outlet for me. So I'm, I'm finding a way that I can do that, that while the church setting hasn't happened yet, I still can use my gifts and talents because what I've learned is if I, if I can't use my gifts and talents that God created me for, then I become very unhappy, I become very depressed and I become very unfulfilled. And so I find an outlet that allows me to do that 
I found an outlet that allows me to grow as a person because ultimately it started off as me growing as a person. And because of it, I've been more accountable to the audience than I have probably just to myself. You know, I've lost 30 pounds. I've given up soda. I rarely drink coffee and actually I'm having one right now. Um, and so I, there's a lot of things that I've done that has made me grow as an individual. And going back to the other thing is, I believe the call on my life is living out the heart of God by loving others back to life. And I just hope that my life and my words can be an encouragement to other who might feel like they're in a dead spot. And then all of a sudden, maybe a nugget or something I say, just give them life and go from a dry dead spot to a, a spot of almost, here's how I can describe it. Have you ever went swimming and been held underwater as a kid? I don't think so. Like someone held me under. Yeah. Just playing wrestling in water. And then you run out of breath underwater. Sure. And then all of a sudden you're desperate for air. And then you like fight like hell to get above the water so you can breathe. I want my life, my calling to feel like that first breath of air after fighting for such desperation to get it. All right. So you mind if I share something that I'm observing? Uh, I am. So I'm curious to take a step back to just really understand. It seems like the focus is financial and when I'm hearing you talk, I don't hear that. And I'm not the person that will ever say money doesn't matter. That's not me. I think it does matter. Um, but I'm trying to tease out, is the podcast a hobby? Is it a passion project? Is it a career? Is it marketing for real estate? Like, like really what's the purpose of doing it? And this, this might be my own bias that I'm bringing into this because like I realized I had a Patreon page, um, you know, it ended up bringing in maybe $1,500 a year, $1,500 a year. Uh, so it wasn't 400 a month. And after about the first year, maybe two years, I just disconnected it. And um, I shifted my attention and thought around, look, this podcast is A, an opportunity for me to learn and grow be uh, an opportunity for me to market a little bit of far, as far as what I'm doing and what I'm up to and see like really connect with amazing human beings that otherwise I would never get the opportunity to learn from and grow from. Right. And I think mentors can come in all walks of life in all kinds of different ways. And so once I stopped thinking of it as a business and started thinking of it as like this arm, um, there was far less pressure and stress to make it perfect um, and just provide the best I could do. And, um, and so financially that lowered the cost of what I needed. Cause I was like, you know what, I'm going to do what I can do. And this is the best I can do with what I've got. And I think it's damn good. And um, I just, and, and I, we roll. Um, so like, we don't edit anything. I, I do do the intro and an outro and, you know, my podcast probably all in. Sure. It takes some time to book. Then we record that it's maybe three hours compared to 20. 
Um, and, and this wouldn't be me coaching. Now I'm going into like, yeah, sort of more consulting, but, um, like I, I, I say all that to really try to tease out and get at with you, like what, try to really dive into the purpose of it and, and really unpack that. And I think if you, if you really unpack that, that'll guide the steps that you take. Yeah, that's good. Well, directionally, I would like this to be a career. Um, I do want to be a speaker an author, you know, I do like, right, but, that, but that's separate, right? So like the that's podcast could open up doors for the, for the, speaker author but right yeah but there are very few people that are making money off of just podcasting um and so like the the and by the way you may be able to i'm not here to say you will or you won't but i i think you're talking about something all right do i want my career to be real estate and do i want my career ideally to be you know gospel or, or like speaking, or, you know, you said you, you really spoke about your mission, like wanting to live out the heart of God by loving others back to life there. That that's it, right. You've got that. And look, you may say it needs to be for now, real estate. And, but the mission is going to be that eventually I don't need to do real estate. Um, I don't know. That's not, but, I think, no, you hit the nail on the head. Eventually I'd like to not have to do real estate in that. So, so that's this what is I would, a stepping stone. So that's what I would go toward. And this is where there's all kinds of paths, right? Maybe if I make enough money in real estate, by the time I'm 40, I can go do what I want. I don't know. That might be a possibility. There's a multitude of possibilities to unpack, but it would be interesting. Like if we were working together, I would say, hey, for homework, why don't you tease out all of the possibilities that exist to get you to do what you want to do? Um, and, and and let's really try to vision in sort of vision board, what is it that you'd want to be doing? What's the dream job? And then what are the paths that can get you there? And to go explore what those paths are. Cause I think there's probably more possibilities than, than even you can imagine. There's so many options and possibilities there. And what currently is getting in the way, as you talked about, is that your time and income are not aligned. And so it's, it's like, Hey, right now, the only place I know where I'm getting income is real estate, but I'm spending also a ton of time on the podcast and I haven't figured out how to marry those two. There's this great uh, Japanese term called Ikigai, where it basically suggests that in the middle of something that someone will pay you for something you're passionate about, something you're good at is where you get like full fulfillment. Um, and we need to think about all of those elements to really bring out our Ikigai. And, um, so it, it, there's a cool book called Ikigai that you could check out. It, it sort of speaks to it. Interesting. I'll, I'll have to check that out. So let, let, let's fast forward here in my life. Let's say that, you know, two or three years, I'm no longer doing real estate and I'm speaking, um, more full time, whether that be in a church setting or public speaker, if we ever go back to normal. <laughs> um, what are some common denominators of success that you see successful people have? Whether that's athletes or a CEO, I mean, you've, you've been around it all. So what, what are some common denominators? First off, I'm going to recommend a book for you to check out, which is called The Third Door by a guy named Alex Benaya. Yeah, I read that. That's a great book. 
Yeah. So Alex is somebody I met randomly in Los Angeles. I got invited to a breakfast with another guy named Cal Fussman, who you probably have heard of from mm-hmm. his book, because yeah. Cal is one of Alex's mentors. But I thought of Alex because Alex is on this journey to go find out what successful people have done and write some great book about it. And now is doing speaking. And so before I go into my observations, I think the other thing that's really big for you is like, what's stopping you from doing speaking right now? Um, sure, pandemic, okay, but maybe there's opportunities to go do Zoom speaking gigs. So I think getting reps, you had on a guy on your podcast, Alan Stein Jr., who um, Alan was a strength coach, but knew he wanted to speak and just started doing it and started getting his reps, then got coached in it and has spent a lot of time doing speak, like becoming a speaker. So I think if we want to become something, we need to start doing it. And so that's just something that else to think about is like, what can you do now to move you closer to getting towards where you want to go? Um, and there's all kinds of opportunities to do that. As far as- Hold on leading, one second. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you made a really awesome point. Maybe this is that one nugget that we're talking about. But you said, if you want to become something, start doing it. And it's so true because you're not just going to become something by not doing it. You're going to become something by, by doing it. All right, continue. I think like my commencement speaker, I went to Syracuse University and my commencement speaker was Billy Joel. What a cool commencement speaker Billy Joel is. And, you know, he sang and he did all this stuff, but basically what he said was do what you love and love what you do. And okay. Most 21, 22, 23 year olds don't know what they love. They don't know what their passion is. And you thought your passion was going to be as a pastor. Okay, maybe, but maybe you're meant to be doing something else. And the only way you find out is by doing and seeing and testing. And so I think it's much less about love uh, and much more about action. And through that action, you find out what you're passionate about. And I think too often people, especially people that struggle with anxiety, are crippled by their own paralysis and analysis that they, that they never actually take the action to find out. So you're podcasting, you took a leap of faith and you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this thing. And now you're figuring out like, what is it that you love about it? What is it that maybe you don't like about it? It sounds like the production and the time, maybe that's not for you, but you probably love this. Yes. so, So the only way you find out is by actually doing so. I'm a big believer in that. Um, so I'm yeah. I'm going to set you up for a trick question that like everyone fails at. Okay, what's the opposite of love? I mean, I think it typically is judgment. Um, like that's that's something I've I've thought about, and we often when we're judging others, um, it, it typically is not love. We can evaluate others. We can. Um, describe. But I I think that oftentimes when we get into judgment, we're lacking empathy. And when we're lacking empathy, we're lacking understanding. And when we come from a place of not understanding, we're not typically loving um, or seeking understanding. Um, So that's my my thought. Do you, you, you think there's no, there's no, there's no answer to that? No, there, there, there is an answer to this. And that, that is a actually a great answer. Uh, 
what most people answer, the opposite of love, they say hate. But I had a professor that asked us that question in class. It was a missions class and we all said hate. And he said, no, he said, love is an action. Hate is an action. So what's the opposite of an action? It's in action. So the opposite of love is neglect. I love that. I like that better than judgment. I'm, I'm going to roll with that. I think that's great. And well, you were saying, you know, right before we started that is that, you know, if you love something, you need to take action on it. And so, and you pointed in terms of this podcast, I think one of the things I struggle with in this context is, you know, in my personal walk with God, there's this balance of God's timing and my responsibility in deciphering the two. You know, I can, I can get out of God's timing and get ahead of it, which is then I'm still doing the wrong thing at the wrong time at the wrong place. Or I can take action and be in God's timing and trying to decipher how and when to do those things. Um, you don't have to answer, answer that. I, I love, I, I, so you get one gem, I get one gem. Cause that for me, going to neglect, I think is way more powerful because judgment is something I probably stole that and heard that from somewhere <laughs> along the way. And now I'm going to steal this. Good. Go for but it. I, uh, I never, the judgment piece, cause I think your professor was right. Like as human beings, it's also our job to judge whether things are right or wrong. And you know, the Holocaust, for example, like, part of the reason why that kept going and happened for as long of a time as it did is because people did not hate enough to stop it. Like yeah. they did not put their foot down and say, we are not going to do this. Like they, 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 were, they were neglecting it. They neglected it. And, and any genocide is a neglect of the world. And it's an eyesore for the world when we neglect it and we don't take action on it. So that is, and I think about a parent, we talked, you know, the beginning of this conversation about parenting, I think neglect is, is not loving. And we can often hate someone's action and still love them. And we can often disagree. Um, look, this is an extreme version, but how many people that are abused, um, like, still have love for somebody, right. um, but certainly don't love the abuse. Um, and so I, I, I think that's a really inaction. The neglect is, is interesting. And I even think of like an addict who, um, if nobody, if that person refuses to get help and doesn't act on that, like they're not loving themselves. Um, so I, I need to unpack that a little bit more. I'm going to think about yeah. it. Well, I'm going to uh, ask you a question then, and you can unpack that later. Yeah. How can, in terms of love, because I'm on this discovery of learning to love myself through the process of change, because that's the only way I found out that I have healthy change or that I can change it all versus getting on myself for not being who I want to be. How can I love myself in the process of changing and developing a mindset to look more like core. 
So I think the first thing, it's hard for me to give advice on how to love yourself. Um, I do think that there is value in getting really clear on your values, on your mission, on your vision, on your philosophy, on your identity. Like those are things that I work on with clients. Like what are your top values? What are the order of those values? What's your mission? Like, why do you do what you do? How do you show up? Like, what's your philosophy? Uh, and then what's your vision? Like, where do you want to go? I think all of that creates your identity um, and how you, who you are um, in this world. So that's, those are pieces that I would go toward. You also asked earlier about like, what are the similarities between elite performers? And for me, like I, I'm, I wrote a book and it comes out in October and it's about your mindset for preparation actually being different than your mindset for performance. Mm -hmm. When I study elite performers, whether they're on my podcast or I work with them or I read about them or watch a documentary or read research on psychology, I've just come to create this framework that in preparation, we need to be humble. In performance, we actually need to be arrogant, like one step up from confidence. We need to believe that we are the right person for the job, regardless of the outcomes that we're seeing. In preparation, we need to take it like work. Like you do a lot to prepare for this conversation, but when you're performing, you need to play. You need to have joy. You need to like enjoy the performance in preparation. We need to think about the future and visualize, but in performance, we need to be where our feet are. We need to be present. Right. Uh, we need you to know be in that reminds me of when you talk about elite performance, everything that you just described was Patrick Mahomes through the uh, playoffs of the NFL. <laughs> I mean, so much joy, right? But also so like joy. throwing the ball when he's facing one way and then throwing it the other way is arrogant. Like no quarterback ever has thought that that is something that's doable, doable. And, and, and there've probably been quarterback coaches over the years that said, don't do that. That's not the right way. But he has this inner belief that he can. And Stephen Curry comes across half court and thinks he's in three point range and boom, <laughs> like, you know, can make a three. Max Scherzer, I'm in Washington, D.C., for years was told that he's not good enough. He's not this or that. He can't do X, Y, Z. And the guy's just a bulldog. And when he steps on that mound, he believes that he's the best pitcher in the world. So, look, that, those are just sports analogies. We could go to music. We could go to a chef. We could go to an actor. We could go to a pastor. We could go to a preacher. Like, this idea that I have something to offer the world. And regardless of what society is telling me, I believe that I can make this happen is something that I notice in people that change the world and, and that I notice in people that are performing at elite levels. You know, that reminds me of a guy from the Bible named Paul. And before his name was Paul, his name was Saul. And he, long story short, shortly after Jesus's death, Saul would persecute the church and kill Christians. Like, that's what he did. And then on the road to Damascus, he gets converted from Jesus himself, who appears such in a bright light, that it blinds him, leads him to accept Jesus. His name changes to Paul. And then he goes off for years and then has the manifestation of Jesus teach him the gospel. No one else did. And then years later, he comes back into society, says, I'm now an apostle. But last time they knew of him, he was one who would kill Christians. 
So it's like, what happened here? And what, with what you're saying, he was extremely boastful in who he currently is as Paul. And the only reason why he was boastful isn't because of who he was, but because of what Jesus did in him. And I feel like maybe even as Christians, when it comes to our faith aspect in this dynamic, is that we shouldn't boast because I'm great, but of the greatness that God through grace has allowed us to achieve or to live out in this world. You know, a lot of people that you look at Patrick Mahomes or other sports athletes after big wins, one of the first things they do is typically give thanks to God for their abilities and and the gifts that God has given. I don't know. So it just made me think of that. Well, well I want to be clear on this too, is arrogance without humility is a disaster. Right. Um, and like, so I don't preach arrogance. And I think if we had a world full of arrogant people, this would be a very unpleasant place to be in. What I am suggesting is if we put in the humble preparation, if you have read the Bible over and over and, and really studied it and know it, then you know, there can be an element of when it's time to perform, like, yeah, I know this stuff and, and I've got it. And then when you're done, go back to humble preparation. Um, and we spend most of our life actually in preparation, not in performance. And so a lot of our life, we need to be in that humble space and learn and grow, but there comes a time where it's time to execute. And that's where we need to let go of the humility because the humility can really hurt us when we're performing. It really, that I have worked with far more athletes that struggle with humble, humble performance. They, they, they talk about all the reasons why they can't do something or their self-doubts or their inner critic comes in and it gets in the way of their performance. And so I don't preach arrogance. I just believe that if you do the humble preparation, then you will earn the right to have some arrogance and performance. And oh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes, Steph Curry, Max Scherzer, those three athletes, Serena Williams, Usain Bolt, whoever, Usain Bolt might be flexing, but a lot of other athletes are not. Stephen Curry is, is very, he has inner arrogance. It doesn't have to be flexing your muscles or showing somebody up. It just is this inner belief in yourself, even when the world is saying you can't do something. Mm -hmm. And that to me requires something more than confidence. And I think we need to have confidence in order to be humble in our preparation. And I think we need to have confidence in order to have arrogant performance. So back to you and how do you bring out the best version of yourself? I think it's having confidence in both of those things. I need to have confidence to be humble and do the work. And then I need to have confidence to step into arrogance, even though I might get embarrassed or judged or shamed or whatever other word you want to put on that. So those are, those are how I see the world. So the book is all about these nine mental shifts that people can make in preparation and performance to help them thrive. Um, and what and, is your book again? Yeah, it's called Shift Your Mind and it comes out in October. Perfect. Super excited about it. Spent three years working on it. And uh, yeah, labor of love. Talk about a, 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 an experience where you had to experience humble preparation and then have some arrogance to actually write the words. And um, I think anyone that's written a book knows that a book is never finished. You just do the best you can and, and hit publish and um, hope, hope that it's strong enough. But I think, you know, I'll look back on it three to five years from now. There's definitely going to be things in there that hopefully I disagree with because we evolve and we grow and we change. And I think that's part of the journey. And so I think there's a big mistake that we think like, experts or people that are quote unquote successful have it all figured out. Um, a lot of times, and I, what I really like about what you're doing is 
taking this holistic approach because you look at a lot of top performers and their marriages are disaster or their families are, are broken. And so I appreciate people that want to have it all. And I think we can have it all. We just need to be intentional about how we're approaching our life. And too often we think that we have to sacrifice one thing in order to get another. And I'm, my path is to try to have everything. Um, I want to have a great family. I want to be connected emotionally, mentally. Spiritual for me is, uh, is still very much a journey and I'm still trying to figure my way out there. Um, I don't have as much clarity as I would like. And I think I'll probably always be on a journey there. Um, but I'm physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, family, finances, all the F's that you talk about, I think are, are essential. And for me, I'm, I'm still trying to make sure that I'm filling all those buckets the best that I can while still having space to breathe and, and be. For sure. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on today, Brian. Um, we're excited about your book coming out. We're just excited about the work that you do and the gift of knowledge that you brought to the show today. I mean, I, I took multiple notes. I, there's multiple nuggets that I, that I pulled out of here when writing. And then I'll have to decipher my chicken scratch to make sure I can remember them. So, man, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Hey, Evan, what was your, what was your big takeaway? I want to make sure we were successful. In our All program. right. So I had several. One, I really liked that you said most of our life is spent in the time of preparation over performance. Um, and then also, let's see here. If you want to become something, start doing it. And, then, and can we link that one back to the podcast? Because you, you sort of said, hey, I, you know, if I got one gem that would help me be more successful with the podcast, would that be a good takeaway for that? And sort Absolutely. Of, awesome. Awesome. So Absolutely. I just want to make sure you got your money's worth in our meeting yeah. <laughs> today. Uh, I won't put an invoice in the mail. We'll, we'll call this even. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Love what you're doing. Keep it up, man. Uh, it takes a lot. I'm going to use the term balls, cojones, sure. cojones, whatever you want to call it, to uh, put yourself out there, to be vulnerable, to to share yourself um, at a time where you really think you're still becoming. And I think all of us are. Some of us just hide it better than others. Um, you know, but we're all in this journey of becoming so that uh, we also can be, and I'm fascinated by the idea of becoming and being, and how do we leverage both of those? Because you also have got some gifts, man, and, and you don't want to hide those from the universe or the world either. And, um, you know, I look forward to seeing you step into it in the future. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Have a good day, bro. Take care. When I started this podcast, it was important for me to lead by example that I wouldn't hide behind a fake mask acting like I've arrived and speaking from the mountaintop. My whole purpose was to be vulnerable about where I was, my failures, my struggles, and my successes so that I could be a bridge, that I could be a gap in this process of showing people how to change in the areas of faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun because that's exactly where I'm at and what I'm doing. And I had a coach years ago and he was the first coach I've ever had. And he did it for a very affordable rate because I couldn't afford anything more than what he offered me. But he told me this, Evan, someday you're gonna get in a spot where you're gonna be able to give back to others. And I want you to remember what I'm doing for you here and now, that it's made affordable so that you can actually go through it. He goes, I believe in you and I trust that you'll do this. And so because of that, 
it resonated within me that at a certain point, when I felt I've had enough hard knocks that I had something to offer other people, I would start a coaching program. And this is that. I am now starting a coaching program and I'm going to make it affordable because by the graces of someone else that helped me out when I was first starting my journey, I wanted to do the same for other people. So I'm going to offer a free 15-minute coaching phone call to anyone that wants it. You can go to the website, thewholepersonpodcast.com and sign up for that free coaching phone call. And if you're looking to have a longer extended coaching relationship outside of that first 15-minute phone call, I have the prices right up front. I'm open about it. And I'd be more than happy to see if we'd work well with one another and can help you reach and achieve the goals that you have in life. Guys, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the show.